Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, good uh, good morning, everyone. Good to have you with us, uh, whatever time you're watching our service uh, today. Uh, and it's just great to be with you, and I know some of you are watching from out of state. I've seen uh, uh, some of your names as I watch also on Sunday morning. But uh, I, I thought this morning that I would begin, uh, because we have two more messages in this series, this one and next Sunday, and then we're going to shift to another series, which I'm pretty excited about, and I'll talk about that more next week. But I just felt like from the bottom of my heart just to tell you that, um, <clears throat> to say thank you to everyone. Thank you for your faithful giving and all the things that you do in that respect, because during this pandemic time, yes, many of you give online, but some of you drop off the physical offering at the Sunday night service, and some of you have been faithful to mail it in, and some of you bring it to the door, and it's just like, you know what, that just shows great Christian character, maturity, and your faithfulness, and, and allows us to keep doing what we're doing and keep supporting missionaries and everything else that we do. So from the bottom of my heart, I, I just want to uh, say a, bi a big uh, big thank you to everyone and all that you do. Uh, so uh, today we're going to talk on uh, what's called the bold judgments. And I want to begin by uh, th thinking about this. Have you ever um, <clears throat> in your life said the statement or thought something like this, you know, when God... When are you going to do something about this, God? You know, Lord, when are you going to give me justice? Well, Lord, Lord, come on, where, where are you? What's going on here? Well, there has been a statement made earlier that we're going to read halfway through the message, but I'm going to show right now in, in Revelation 6, there's a statement. And the statement is these believers that were killed, they were martyred, and they asked God the question, how long, O Lord? How long before you avenge our blood? That's a big statement in Revelation 6, 9, and 10. They were going to see in these bold judgments the answer to that question. But they didn't want to know how long. When, when is it going to happen? When will you bring about justice? Every one of us has felt that way at times. Now, with that said, these are bold judgments. Bold judgments. About uh, hmm, 14 months ago, uh, our last trip to Israel, uh, we, um, I remember I heard it in a restaurant in Bethlehem, but I didn't know much about it. But then when we crossed into Jordan on our extension, we ate at a restaurant, and uh, there was 25 of us that made that second trek. Uh, nine went home. But there was a, a, a bowl, a, a, something they served called magluba. And magluba in it that has, uh, it has uh, rice and meat and vegetables. And they cook it in this big, uh, this big pot, like a bowl. 25 of us ordered this plate. And then when it's done, they bring it out and they have a big platter. And they take it and you watch this happen. And this is the sound I heard at a Bethlehem restaurant, but now I got to see it with my own eyes. And they take the big, big pot this big, and they just flip it over and bam, they slam that thing down on the platter. And we all come up with our plates and we get the vegetables and the rice and the chicken. It is so good. It's called magluba, which means upside down. They take it, they flip it and slam that thing down and it's upside down and it's so good. 
Well, there are bold judgments coming to planet Earth in the great seven-year tribulation. And it's not going to be tasty at all, but they will be slamming and they will be coming hard and heavy. And these are the very end things that are coming to uh, planet Earth. Because in Revelation 15, before these plagues are thrown on the planet, and they are very similar and mimic the plagues that God sent through Moses upon Egypt about 3,400 years ago. Um, these, these plagues here are the very last ones. Because Revelation says, it is finished. This is it. This is the answer to how long. It's coming now. And these are coming right before the return of Jesus Christ and the second coming. Now, let me pause there and let's go to our key verse for the series. As you're watching me at home, please read these out loud with whoever you're with or by yourself. Here it is. For I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery, so that you will not be wise in your own estimation that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved. And every week we've been telling you the fullness of the Gentiles is that moment in time during this church age we live in now, before the tribulation period, when the very last person uh, gives their life to Christ, becomes a follower, whoever they are, wherever they are. And when that happens, whether it's in my lifetime, my children's lifetime, my grandkids' lifetime, but we know we are close according to Matthew 24. But when that happens, we are going to be raptured, whatever generation is alive right now, on planet Earth. And I'll give you a little tidbit. Jesus said the last generation, the fig tree puts forth its leaves. And they look at that as when Israel became a nation. And many people thought that was 40 years of a generation. But you have to go back to Genesis 15 and you find out a generation is 100 years or thereabouts. Uh, because it's parallel to the bondage and the slavery time that they were in Egypt. And so from 1948, it would seem like by 2048, somewhere in that time frame, the rapture could happen. I wouldn't bank on it, but it sure seems like it with everything that's going on with that time frame there. But somebody's going to give their life to Christ at some point, and the church people are gone. And that's why our tagline is this. It's the call you just don't want to miss. If that rapture happens in our lifetime, you don't want to miss it. And also... Friend, listen, you don't want to die as an unbeliever. You don't want to miss that moment. You don't miss an opportunity to put your faith in Jesus Christ in your lifetime. And don't say, I've got plenty of time. No one knows how long they're going to live. None of us do. None of us has that calendar. None of us knows the pool date on our life. So let's look at these uh, bold judgments right now. I'm going to run through them, most of them pretty quick. Some of them I'm going to bank on and camp out in because there are seven things he states and I can't stay long on any of them except for a few maybe. So the first thing we see in the bold judgments is this. Those who took the mark will be marked. Now in Revelation chapter 16 verse 1 and 2 it says this. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth, and it became a loathsome and malignant sore 
on the people who had the mark of the beast and who worshiped his image. Now, the first thing we see is this, that those who took the mark, they will be marked. Now, did you notice these things are coming from the temple? This is not the temple on planet earth. This is the temple in heaven because the one on earth is a replica of the one in heaven. Hebrews chapter 8 teaches us that. It's a carbon copy of the one in heaven. Now, here's what's kind of crazy about this. As, they, as this first bold judgment comes, those who took the mark now have malignant sores upon their body. Now, I took the time, because this parallels the sixth plague in Egypt, but I took the time. Let's, the word malignant is the idea of painful. And these things continue because we see later on in the chapter, the pain continues. They don't go away. The word sores there, it's the idea of stopping bodily function. Now, I don't even want to think about something painful that stops my bodily function. That has to be torture right there, my friends. But this is an ongoing thing now that those who took the mark of the beast will be marked with pain that stops bodily function. Now, think about this. The mark of the beast, we've said it before in this series when we talked on it. It makes sense. It's a logical thing that to be able to buy and sell, especially going from a society where we use currency to a cashless society. We live in a day now where you see more and more people, they, you know, they use debit cards, different things. So we're moving toward that. And it makes sense. It just makes sense. But here's the thing in the tribulation when that mark comes up. If a person takes the mark, that thing leads to difficulty and it leads to a lot of pain. Let's parallel that. Isn't that what sin does? Doesn't sin make sense to us at times? Doesn't it sound pretty good at times? But in the end, sin always equals difficulty and pain. It never leads to anything other than that. Now, the second bowl that's being poured out upon the planet is this. The seafood source is gone. Now, verse 3 says, The second angel poured out his bowl into the sea, and it became blood. Like that of a dead man, and every living thing in the sea died. Earlier in Revelation, we saw that one of the judgments came and one-third of all the sea, the things died and the ships and everything else. Now everything, now it's getting worse that now all sea life, all the seas turn to blood. That means for me, no more deadly as catch. And I love that show. No, I'm just joking. But think about if everything in the seas die. And they start washing up all these dead fish on land. What will be the stench like be around the entire world? Guys, guys, we already know from Revelation 6 there's a famine. Worldwide famine. And now we're seeing that now there are shortages of seafood because it's all gone. And we know what shortages look like right now. Even in the pandemic, we were finding shortages in America. In America, I went the other day to get dog food for my boy Max. They didn't have the type he likes. That was a crisis, guys. There are shortages. But let me tell you what this means. It means that this has to be right near the end of the tribulation period because there's food. There's no more food, and they're running out. 
You cannot last very long if there's no food. Number three is this. Those who spill blood, they will drink blood. Now look at verses 4 through 7. It says, Then the third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. Mm. And I heard the angel of the water saying, Righteous are you who are uh, and who were, O holy one, because you judge these things. For they poured out the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. They deserve it. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, O Lord God, the Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Now we see Moses and Elijah, who we talked about last week, in full strut. As this bowl is poured out, all the water in the sea is turned to blood. The rivers and the streams, the fresh water comes from snow from above. That's all turning to blood. Elijah shut up the heavens. Moses turned everything to blood. Now you see things coming into full play as all these things are working together. Revelation 7.1 says there was no more wind during the tribulation. You don't have wind. You cannot blow clouds onto land. Therefore, no rain, no snow. Snow melts equals water. So now things are getting pretty tough. There is no fresh water on planet Earth to drink. But here is what I find fascinating about this. In these verses, it says that this happened because they poured out the blood of the saints. Now, let's put up Revelation 6, 9, and 10. Let's go back in time. It says, when the Lamb broke the fifth seal, these are the seal judgments, different judgments, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God. People were standing up for God's word throughout centuries in history, and because of the testimony which they maintained, have you maintained your testimony? Or have you gone dry? And have you gone dead? And has the culture so eroded your spirit that you have not maintained your testimony, your service, your giving, and your fire? Let's get that thing back in these times that are so questionable and complicated. They maintained it. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, Here it is. How long, O Lord? Holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? There's the question earlier. When are you going to do something about it? They killed us. We were martyrs. They shed our blood for the testimony of Jesus Christ. The answer now is in verse chapter 16, that everything's turning to blood. You know why? Because this is God avenging the blood of all those who are martyred. And it says they're going to drink this blood. Because they deserve it. In other words, they will drink what they poured out. Whatever we sow, we reap. They will drink what they poured out. Now, i got to segue and tell you this one. It's very important. Back in Revelation chapter 16, where we just read that God is called righteous and he's called true, that his judgments are righteous and true. In the middle of all the insanity... In the middle of these painful judgments, John the Revelator hears the angels say, God's judgments are righteous and true. Listen, Christian, this is for you. Because all these things are happening in the tribulation period. But here's one for you. You and I go through trials. You and I go through tremendous difficulties. Some of us are in hell right now with things, with our physical bodies, etc., etc., 
But in the middle of it all, you've got to be able to remember God's ways are righteous and true. Because it's easy in our trials and tribulations to get cynical. To say, God, where are you? Have you given up on your character? Have you stopped loving me? Are you not going to take care? What's going on, God? And we can get cynical about God. And people walk away from God, not for theological reasons. They walk away for emotional reasons. Do not walk away. Do not grow complacent because of emotional reasons. God's ways are always righteous and true. Maintain your testimony, my friends. Maintain it. Number four, the next bold judgment is the sun scorches the earth dwellers. Now watch this. Verse 89. The fourth angel poured out his bowl upon the sun. And it was given, it, given to it to scorch men with fire. It's heating up on earth. Men were scorched with fierce heat. And they blasphemed the name of God who has the power over these plagues. And they did not repent so as to give him glory. Mm, man. Now, let me talk, look, right then and there, understand, no sunscreen is going to help this at all. It is heating up on earth, and the water system on earth is useless. Now, let's talk about this. <clears throat> First off, all this is happening, and they blaspheme the name of God. Blaspheme means to speak evil of someone. They're speaking evil of God because of this. I find that interesting because they're speaking evil of the very God they do not even believe in or claim to believe in. A lot of people do that, huh? See, God has put in every person a witness that there is God. People only say they don't believe God. They only say I'm a skeptic or an atheist. No, down deep inside, they know there's a God. And they speak evil of the very God they proclaim they don't even believe exists. That's what's going on here. I find that fascinating. But here's what I find more fascinating. Um, there's a man, was a man, by the name of George Mallory. He wanted to be the first one to climb to the top of Mount Everest. He disappeared up on the mountain in 1924, I think in early June. They don't know if he made it to the top or not. But they figured he died up there. All the trekkers that had gone up there to the top and down, they'd never seen his body. No sign of him whatsoever. 1924, he disappeared. In 1999, there was kind of a heat wave and some of the mountain melted. Exposing George Mallory's dead but fully preserved body 75 years later. Is that amazing or what? Why do you say that, preacher? Let me tell you why. Because when these tops of mountains begin to melt on earth during that bold judgment at the end of the seven-year period, something is going to be exposed. Because you see, up on a mountain range called Ararat, there is Noah's Ark. It's been up there for 4,000 years. It's under ice. People laugh at that idea. They think it's silly. But one day, 
that ice is going to melt in that tribulation period. And it's going to expose the ark, which was God told Noah when he built it to put pitch on the outside and pitch on the inside, petroleum products, so that it would not leak. My question is, once the world sees everything and before Antichrist can censor social media and news outlets, because he would not want people to see that that was true, that God spoke to a man named Noah, but once everyone sees that, I have to wonder, what are they going to think? What are they going to do? Now, i got to be honest. I don't want to be here during the tribulation period, but I kind of like to be there for a couple of hours just to see it and just to see the reactions of a world that's rejected God and they look up and there it is. There it is, just like the Bible has always stated. The Bible that they ridiculed, the stories that they count as fables, there it is. Now, I got to move on. Number five, now there'll be, the next bowl is extreme temperature change as that bowl's pulled out, poured out. Verse 10 says, Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and his kingdom became darkened. And they gnawed their tongues because of pain. Now you see the pain from the sores, malignant sores. They continue. They still have pain. It's not going away. But notice it goes dark. Now you have extreme changes of temperature. It goes from hot, hot, hot to dark, dark, dark. Now I don't know. I'm going to guess here. Maybe the sun becomes a, just an ember. Maybe it's a nuclear winter. Maybe something strikes the earth, a massive rock, and... Throws the dust in the air, causing uh, you know, a, a, a nuclear winter in a sense. But let me throw you a couple things out here, just to think about. Because this, um, <clears throat> this uh, mimics the ninth plague in Egypt. Now, it says specifically in verse 10 that the darkness was on the throne of the beast, the Antichrist. Now, if that means that the whole world is lit up, but there's pure darkness just in the headquarters, the capital where the Antichrist resides, the same way in the ninth plague in Egypt, where it was dark in Egypt, but it was light in the land of Goshen where the Israelites were. If that's what that means, can you imagine how humiliated, it's almost like God is saying to the Antichrist, here you go, buddy, right up your nose, buddy, because you can't explain why it's dark around you and light everywhere else. This is an act of God. Now, if it's that, that's that. But what if it's a worldwide darkness? where they're experiencing what hell feels like. But if it's worldwide darkness, think about this. In pure darkness, in the night, in a world that's immoral, evil, what will immoral, evil people do in darkness? They will continue to do immoral, evil things to each other. It will be absolute chaos and there will be no police forces drawn in to fight off the evil and the chaos it will be crazy 
the sixth bowl comes out, and that is demonic spirits unleashed. Now watch this. The sixth angel, verse 12, poured out his bowl, boom, on the great river, the Euphrates, and its water was dried up so that the way would be prepared for the kings from the east. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon, that's Satan, out of the mouth of the beast, that's the Antichrist, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs. Frogs are unclean to Jewish people, by the way. For they are spirits of demons. Can you imagine what he's seeing and trying to describe? Performing signs which go out to the king's of the whole world to gather them together for the war of the great day of God the Almighty. Now we gotta stop for a second on this one. This is wild, weird stuff. This is coming to the culmination now of the tribulation. Now we see demons come forth from the devil, antichrist, and the false prophet, and they are gathering demons. They are gathering the armies of the world together for a final battle. And they are going to walk over the dried up Euphrates River. People laughed at this for decades and decades until the Ataturk Dam was built in 1990 and they boast that they can dry up the Euphrates River. Friends, always give time because time always catches up to what the Bible has said it's going to happen and it happens. Never doubt it. If it says it, it's going to happen. But here's what I want you to think about. Now we see the influence of influence. And this is the way our world works. Open your eyes to understand it. The spiritual realm affects the physical realm. The spiritual realm influences the physical realm. These demons are unleashed. And they are moving and gathering and motivating all these armies to come together. If you're watching me and you're not a follower of Christ... It's not just a material, naturalistic world. There's a world beyond what we see. If you're struggling right now as a Christian, and you, man, you're sick or whatever, no, you're going to live forever as a follower of Christ in a good place. You'll get a new body. See, there's a realm beyond this realm. Jesus said, don't fear the person who can kill your body. Fear the one who can kill your body, soul, spirit, and hell. In other words, there's a soul, there's a spirit, there's a life beyond. And whatever you're going through now, you're going to live forever follower of Christ. And if you're not a follower of Christ, put your faith in him. But here we see the spiritual impacting the physical. The, the same way that God, who is spirit, spoke the world into physical existence out of spiritual things. The spiritual affects the physical. Now watch why they're gathering him. Number seven, and that is next bowl, Armageddon. Okay, watch this. Verse 16. And they gathered them together to the place which in Hebrew is called Armageddon. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl upon the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, It is done. 
It's finished now. This is it. The end of the seven-year tribulation. Verse 18, and there were flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. And there was such a great earthquake, such as there had not been since man came to be upon the earth. So great an earthquake was it, and so mighty the great city was split into three parts. And the cities of the nations fell. Babylon the great was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of his fierce wrath. Here it comes, man. And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And huge hailstones, about 100 pounds each, came down from heaven upon men, and men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, because its plague was extremely severe. What is going on here? Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Armageddon means Mount Megiddo. Megiddo means the place of the crowd. Rendezvous. It's where all the armies are rendezvousing together. Those three demons are bringing all the armies together in a place called Armageddon in the Valley of Megiddo. What's going on is the armies of the world are rising up against Antichrist now. They are rebelling. These demons are motivating. The three frog-looking demons are motivating everyone there. God says it's done. This is it. As Jesus returns to earth, and we're coming with them as followers of Christ in the second coming, it's all working now. All the armies gather in Armageddon. Some of you were there with me this last trip to Israel or the trip before, and some of you have been there. You've seen this valley. It's huge. It's massive. It's historical. Many battles have been fought in this valley. And Jesus is coming back. That's Revelation 19, where he where he trods the winepress of the wrath of God. Here is where everything falls apart for humanity, where all the judgment comes down. And here's what it looks like. In Revelation chapter 14, 20, it says this. And the winepress was trodden outside the city, and blood came out from the winepress up to the horse's bridles for a distance of 200 Miles. Okay. <clears throat> Up to the horse's bridle, there will be blood and carnage 200 miles worth in this battle. Horse's bridle, we say roughly four feet tall. All the armies gathered there. Jesus comes in the second coming. We're coming with him. The hailstones, hailstones are pounding. And they all die there, all the rejectors of God. Four feet deep of blood. Carnage. I want you to think about this. As if you're not a follower of Christ. I want you to think about this. If you are a follower of Christ and you know people that aren't followers of Christ. In Revelation chapter 19, when we come back, because that's the chapter of the second coming, when we come back with Jesus, it says the birds are gathered there in the aftermath of the battle, and they are eating the dead bodies of these people. They're picking at them and eating them. 
Let me tell you what that means. I heard a preacher say this a long time ago, and I've never forgot it. See, when you and I come back to earth in the second coming, we've just left the wedding supper of the Lamb. We've been eating a good meal. When we come back to earth and the bowl slams for the last time, Magluba, we see the birds eating the dead bodies of the rejectors of God. And here's a statement that I was told a long time ago. And I, I don't think it's a joke. I think it's a serious, serious gets. I can either eat supper or I can be supper. It's one of the two. I can either eat supper at the wedding supper of the Lamb or I can be eaten by the birds. And so if you're watching me and you're not a follower of Christ, man, I hope something in this message kind of spoke to you, triggered you, did something to move you to Jesus. I look, I understand it's not easy to give your life to Christ because you think you're giving up so much and he's gonna, you're going to lose all your fun. I thought the same thing. 41 years ago, I thought the same thing. And then I put my faith in Christ and I found out it wasn't true. That it was a better life. And I want to give you an invitation out there if you're not a follower of Christ to come into this better life. To come and know God and His Son, Jesus Christ. To find out your purpose and reason for existence and living. To let Him heal the wounds of the past of your life. Come and know Him. Let His blood that He shed on the cross forgive you of your sins. Because you're a sinner and so am I. And just one sin will keep us out of heaven. Just one. And you and I both have committed at least 10,000 of them. So I'm going to give you an opportunity if you've never placed your faith in Christ to do just that. Or maybe you backslid and you've, you realize, I've not maintained my testimony. I've grown so cold. I've grown so distant. I got to get back to where, at least where I was, and get fired up further than that. I can't play anymore. I got to maintain my testimony. So if you'd like to place your faith in Jesus for the first time or rededicate your life, I want you right where you're at right there. I want you to repeat this prayer after me. I'm going to say it slowly in blocks. Repeat it out loud. If you're sitting around people, you feel kind of funny saying it, say it in your head. But after this prayer is over, you need to tell somebody that you put your faith in Christ or you rededicated your life. It cannot remain a secret. Here we go. As you repeat this prayer, put your faith in Jesus. He's your Savior, God, and Messiah. Here we go. Repeat after me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me, for taking my sins upon your body, for shedding your blood 
to forgive me. Forgive me. And I know I'm forgiven. I place my faith in you as my Lord, God, and Messiah. Today, I become a follower of Christ. Thank you for saving me. Now I want you to close your eyes and I want to pray for you. God, I just pray. I pray for everyone who prayed that prayer for the first time or in rededication. I pray, Jesus, that they would follow you now and maintain their testimony for the rest of their life. I pray that they share with others that they're now a follower of Christ. I pray that they would get a Bible, an easily translatable one that they can understand in modern language and get around people that will show them the way during this time when there's not a lot of connections. And I pray your blood upon them, the blood that cleanses away all of our past. I pray they understand they're not perfect, but they are forgiven and they can walk a new life. When you make a mistake, get back up again. Ask God to forgive you and get going again. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray and we all say amen and amen. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.